All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I don't even know where you're sitting at. <laughs> you're listening to Oilers Nation Radio, presented by the Nation Network. Subscribe for free on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Thank you, Kawhi. Oh, that's a hell of an intro. He's got really Nation. big hands. He does. Really big feet big as hands. well. And he was so calm in his post-game interview yesterday. Just so chill. He's always kind of chill, though, isn't he? He is. He is. But you think you think after winning game one of the NBA Finals. You didn't come to win one game in the Finals. Whoa. You came to Whoa. win all four. Dave, right. Whoa. Nobody was really excited. I watched uh, Nick Nurse's post-game presser. He was kind of he was super chill as well. They all were. I think you have to be. Have is everybody, to. Was everybody at the table watching? I've been watching, I watched uh, game seven Can't. of the conference finals. And then now I'm in. So I'll watch the finals. This is, that's my basketball career. Welcome to Oilers Nation Radio, episode 39. Thank you to our friends at Sherwood Ford the Giant. Follow them on Twitter at Sherwood Ford and on Instagram at Sherwood Ford underscore the Giant. I want to start off today's podcast by doing a massive shout out to our friends at Sherwood Ford for what they just did to the nation truck. Have you guys all seen it? I did this morning. Hell of an addition. Hell of an addition. Hell of an addition. And another addition that we have to the podcast today is sitting across the table from me is Brock Segan from dailyfaceoff.com. He is the engine behind our fantasy site and the network. It is a massive job that he does to make sure that everything's up to date. And I know Tyler's going to yell at him a little bit later for having incorrect power play lines, but that's okay. Brock, hello. How's it going, boys? Thanks you for flew, having me on. You flew in last night. Yeah, thanks for having me uh, right in the middle of forest fire season. That was nice. Got a, nice got a nice welcome. Yeah, walked into the end of days yesterday. Literally didn't even know like the plane was landing, like because you couldn't see anything, <laughs> and then all of a sudden it was like boom, you're on the ground because it was so smoky. But it's the best kind of trust fall. Yeah, it was good. It was welcome to Edmonton. It was nice. I was thinking of that the other day. What if the Oilers were like luring, trying to lure in a free agent and like brought them in to visit during forest fire season, and they're just like, is this actually what it's like in the summer? Yes, it's always like this. <laughs> Never changes, and it's either this or it's thirty below. You got two options: smoky, freezing. Either way. I actually don't know which one I would take. Which one would you take? Think about it. You take smoke. I think heat? I'd still take the heat, actually. Yeah. But I mean, it does suck. The smoke sucks. If you have asthma, Coom, don't give me looks like that. If you have asthma, this sucks. It's not that bad. It's not that bad. Yeah, because you don't have asthma. Yeah. This is pretty bad. Well, then don't have asthma. <laughs> Tough it out. The other good thing about the smoke is there's less mosquitoes around. So when it was 30 degrees the other day and it was sunny and it was nice, the sun went down and it got to that nice, cool, mm-hmm. around 20 temperature. 
And the mosquitoes came out. That's a good point. the mosquitoes suck ass. And they bite you and they get in your face. But then it was smoky outside yesterday and there was no mosquitoes. I'm sorry. There's also nobody outside. We totally stole Brock's entrance thunder with this. I apologize, Brock. (laughs) Honestly, there's no mosquitoes when it's minus 30 either. It's true. That's a good point. The man makes a point. Brock, you and Cam went out last night. You were a little bit sleepy today, you said? Oh, yeah. It was a long trip. I had to go from Windsor to Toronto and then Toronto to here. It was a long day, but I think I ended up staying up later than, than Cam anyway. So Yeah, you did. I was I was really tired. I was really... Yawning at the table over the last beer. I'm like, Emotionally on. taxed. Like, I'm tired. I'm like, what are you tired for? I'm tired because I went on the treadmill and I had a big run while I was watching the Raptors. Mm. And then I came and picked you up at the airport and it was very stressful navigating through that line of cars. You know, when you get into the airport and you're supposed to line up behind all those cars to get into that loop, mm-hmm. I just went around all of them. And then I stopped my vehicle in kind of the walking path when people were trying to like get across with their bags. And everyone's like, what the fuck? And Brock didn't really know like what he was looking for because I said my vehicle is a different color than it I was. I don't think I've ever actually so seen I'm, a like, Nissan waving. before. Yeah, Brock says so he's from Windsor and he says he's never seen a Nissan before. Like, like not really. There's like, it's all big three down there. Like that's, that's where we all make the cars. So that's what everybody drives. Like it's all Ford and Chevy. So I was like Nissan, and then there was like all these like other like cars, and I'm you like, I don't even, see, like, I'm like, I don't even, I don't even know what these are like, really. Kias, like, Mitsubishi, yeah, like some of them. Hondas, I'm like, I'm like what, Hyundais, what am I looking like, for? And then he's like, it's copper, which I'm pretty sure it's orange, but so I, I thought you drove it, drive an Infinity. It's a Nissan, the Nissan Infinity. Oh, I thought like the kind was an Infinity. Remchuk's never seen a Nissan before either. <laughs> well, no, because I saw you the other day at the brew house for trivia night, and I thought you were driving the orange. Oh. It's not orange. What's his license plate number? I don't know, I just know he has a J sticker on the back. I do. Does, anyway. Windsor, does Windsor have an airport? Oh, yeah. We got an airport. Nice. Well, Isn't Windsor's, one airport? Up on, uh, Windsor's one up on Winnipeg. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's not very big, but we got an airport. Like, I could have flown out of Windsor, but then I would have had to go through Calgary, which I just wasn't that interested in. So. That's uh, I got to spend... To uh, Toronto? I, yeah, I took a train to Toronto and then uh, flew out of Toronto. got to spend a few hours in Toronto. Good city. Edmonton, pretty good city, too, so far. Treated me well last night. Good. I hope it treats you well all weekend while you're here. We're going to talk about DFO in a minute, but again, I want to go back to Sherwood Ford for a second. Yeah, you tease the people. One thing that's very important, and frankly, this could be the biggest campaign in Oilers Nation history this summer. Dave Tippett signed on as the 16th head coach in franchise history earlier this week, and as we were digging into his history, we found a glorious mustache. This man can grow a duster, the likes of which this city may never have seen, Dan. Yeah, I can't. I was just, I was just thinking off the top of my head, have we had the mustache before? Like Calgary's had Lanny McDonald, we haven't really had our own, our own mustache. That's the one thing Calgary has over us. I think if we did a little bit of work, we could probably find one. But I also feel like a lot of guys back in say the late seventies, early eighties, they all had that same type of thick, heavy duster on them. Now after that, it was up to them. They want to take it out and have maybe a little curl on it. Maybe just uh, cut it off at the old smile lines right there. Fun a lot of options, stuff. but those thick ones were out there rampant back in the old days. Old Glenn Anderson. Nice. Glenn Anderson did have a hell of a stash. Tyler showing us a picture of Glenn Anderson. I guarantee there are a couple not, guys back from the 80s. I that's mean, not at the same level, though. That's, the Glenn Anderson that's stash like tippet, is that's not. That's like a tippet one. Tippets is, tippets is just thicker. It's, well, it's a soup strainer. So the other day, Wanye and I went on Twitter and we decided that we wanted to try and replicate what we did with Ken Hitchcock when he came on as coach and get as many people as possible to change their profile pictures on Twitter to a tippet mustache. Because as I mentioned, Brock, it is fantastic. It is thick. It is luxurious. It is manly. And motherfucker looks great with it. So I tweeted that our nation truck, the J Cruise around the city, and by the way, take a picture of that and use the hashtag nation truck. You can be entered into a gift card draw i tweeted at sherwood ford that they should put a mustache on the nation truck and the first thing they said is yes we should put a mustache on the nation truck and when i pull up to the office today and i see that beautiful bastard parked out there on the road with a big orange duster on the front of it that's beautiful it's beautiful it's fantastic it's the greatest mustache in edmonton history so far arguably yes arguably yes until Dave brings it back. Until we get Dave Tippett to bring it back. Do and we call him Coach be... Dave? I think we should call him Coach Dave. Coach Dave? Daddy Dave? Dave Tippett is my buddy's uncle, so actually I might be able to get us an inside track on this. Wow. Well, we have heard from some former Don't NHL players, it. Tyler, that have played for Dave Tippett, and they were of the opinion that he might be open to growing it back if we make enough noise. 
So he, there's Dave one th- Tippett's a man of the people. Dave Tippett is a man of the people. And if there's one thing that we're good at doing at Oilers Nation, it's making noise. And rallying the people. So that makes me think that there's an opportunity that Dave Tippett's glorious mustache could be coming back. I don't know. Peer pressure. I think we can do this. Peer pressure can go a long way. Got me to smoke cigarettes. Don't you feel like the Oilers would like play better if you just had a just a dirty stash back there? Like it's just so much authority with it. Of course, it's a, it's an authority thing. Of course, you ever seen uh, Magnum PI, Dan? Have I ever seen Magnum PI? I know. Here's my name drop. I knew Magnum PI's physical uh, <laughs> physical therapist. Come on. <laughs> He would fly him in. He would fly him in from Nova Scotia and uh and have him work on him wherever he was on set. Do um do Yeah. One one question I have that I think is pressing is how do millennials respond to mustaches? Because one thing we've talked about a lot with the Oilers and coaches is the Oilers need to bring in someone that can whisper to millennials. Ken Hitchcock had a hard time communicating with millennials. He doesn't understand the emoji keyboard. He would go up to, say, Jesse Pugliarvi in a talk. And Jesse Pugliarvi would be wanting like some emojis or something like that to communicate Ken Hitchcock's point. Ken couldn't do that. If Ken Holland grows a mustache, will the millennials respond to it? Or is this a baby boomer thing? See, I'll say that there's one person at this table who deals with millennials on a regular basis. One Rick. I was going to say me. From the finest yeah, I was going to say, there's a couple of us, actually. Well, <laughs> I, may, I may have to deal with more of them. I, but think, yeah. I think on mass, yeah, Rick Rick probably takes the cake there. And and, and, and not only has, that, Dan, Rick can grow a hell of a facial hair I was just going to well. say, Rick has some facial hair going right now. I tell you, the facial hair plays. You get instant respect from these these little guys. They can't. I mean, you go around and look at a lot of these kids, and they, they're they not growing it into their, into their 35. Hey, man, I'm 34, and I can't grow shit. Well, you've got a nice little... you got a nice it's little... Uh, it's patchy. Okay, but if you just keep it nice and short this way, you don't have to show everybody how, how well it grows in full. Well, that's true. Maybe right? You keep little... it. You keep that going out there, you're good. I mean, a couple years ago, I did have a... Uh, I had you had a monstrous was, beard. <laughs> it was much longer back in the it day. It was a hell of a beard. Yeah. I could hold straws in there. I, yeah, it was intimidating. It was fun. That was back when I had the shaved head, too. Absolutely. You want, you want respect out of someone? Get that big beard. <laughs> then shave your head. And walk around the old Costanza, just doing the long division, make it look like you're angry. People get the hell out of your way instantly. Brock, when it comes to daily fa- fantasy, does a coach with a mustache help you perform better? Like absolutely, absolutely not. <laughs> I feel like Brock he hasn't looked into this. I feel like this is a new research a project thing. for him. It could be like I mean, if like the Oilers come out this year and are just on fire, then it's clearly all going to be related to the mustache, yeah. like without question. If you guys are going to grow it. I do have a question though about the Oilers. Brock as an outsider. We've talked about Ken Tippett or uh, Ken Tippett. Ken Tippett. Fucking Dave I, have Tippett. No, I have no idea who he is. Dave Tippett. We talked about him basically all last week's episode. We've talked about Ken Holland a lot. You're a Wings fan, so we're gonna get onto Ken Holland. But as an outsider, as a fan of the Red Wings, looking at Edmonton hiring Dave Tippett, since we're talking about him, as an outsider, what does that look like to you? I like it. I mean, like if he brings back the mustache, I like it even more. But uh, I think he's a good coach. Like, I mean, he he's a little bit more defense oriented which might help um but i whenever you got a team uh, that has connor mcdavid I, I don't think you can really make a bad hire it's just it's a matter of building a really good team around connor and uh i think tip it's a guy that you know will demand some respect in that locker room and uh again mustache would be push it a little further but i i, I like to hire a lot i think he did a good job uh, in arizona and i think he'll do a good job by in edmonton do you see a big difference between him and mccullough though no not really um like I, I like it a lot better than Ken Hitchcock for sure, but uh, McClellan I think was pretty pretty similar. Uh, it's just again they just don't have the roster to compete. You look at what the the Blues and the Bruins have right now. Like those teams are legit mirror images of each other, and they got a really dominant top line, a second line that can play some defense, a third line that is better than other teams' third lines, and great fourth lines. The Oilers are missing all of that. Like so, we're all on the same page here when we say the issue is the guy putting the pieces together, not say the coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, 100%. Like, even like Hitchcock. Like, we've seen Hitchcock do really good work with other teams, and the Oilers struggle because they just weren't that good. There's not enough talent on that team, and that's because of Shirelli, not he, None of the coaching. He bled it all away. Yeah, I, at the end of the day, I still think that Todd would still be here if Pete was better at his job. Sure, I would agree with that. The question I want to ask is, for the uninitiated, Brock is the engine behind DailyFaceOff.com. So all the lineups that are there, the starting goalies, 
all the combinations that go up on the website. Brock is scouring the internet on a daily basis, trying to find those and put those together. When it comes to the Oilers, how many times over like the last couple of years have you been putting shit together and you'd be like, I don't even know who this person is? Um, I mean, I'm pretty plugged in, so I, I kind of know everybody. But uh, the amount of times that last year I would be like filling out their line combo page and be like, what the fuck are they doing? Like, <laughs> like okay, so we got uh, Jujar Kyra and, uh, and Cassian playing with McDavid tonight. I'm like, that's not going to work. And then it actually kind of did. But there were some times I'm like, what's going on? Like they had some they had some funky line combos last year, like some of the weirdest in the entire league. And um, I think it was a Hitchcock thing. He was He's always been a little bit bizarre with his line combos, but... Um, the Oilers, yeah, they've had some guys come up like that uh, Joseph Gambardella or whatever his name is. There, I never really heard of him when he signed. Speaking of beards, hell of a beard on oh, him. Oh, hell of a beard. And that comes from a bet, so he's a he's game to play too. See, I think that now he shaves that beard off into a duster. Solidarity. You could grow that duster back by Absolutely. five o'clock today if you wanted. <laughs> the coach, the coach might not want him there though for competition. Oh, well, I mean, it depends. <laughs> Can't overshadow Are, the All coach. is one? Yeah. Well, all is all for yeah, one? I don't know. Fair. Well, JJ's going to have his in there, too. Right? Juge can, Juge can oh, grow Juge one, too. Oh, Juge can grow a hell of a beard. Juge can grow one. So, yeah, that's where uh, the, at least the three of them, they can sit down and kind of just measure and see who has the better one. Well, Juge is already tripoding his way through life. So, I mean, it makes sense that he's got that oh. big old... The big old mustache to go with it, right? Um, Brock, I want to go into a little bit of behind the scenes on DFO just to give people a taste of what you actually do all day. I've covered for you. Mm-hmm. It's horrible. It's, it's and I not- say that in the best possible way. It's a it's a big job. And I'm just kind of, if you could give us a quick breakdown of what you do at Daily Face Off, just so people understand what goes into that website. And of course, your update brought to you by our friends at Sherwood Fort Tyler. Go ahead. It's basically uh, you just follow legitimately every single beat reporter in the league and pray that they pass on quality information. Um, some reporters refuse to tweet out line combinations, which is a nightmare. But it's basically like you know you follow like six hundred people and you just put it all together. Uh, you grow to kind of know who's reliable, who's not, and then uh, put it all together. Line combos, starting goalies. I mean, Tyler's mad at me already for something I've done wrong. Sometimes you can't uh, you can't get it right, but. Um, Power play, power play units are the toughest because they don't always <laughs> run them. They like they don't always. You don't have to explain yourself to Tyler. Well, I'm not, I, but it goes out to everybody, and he's not the only one that that I've, I've burned. I'm sure, but sometimes like you basically have to just rely on the last game sticking, you know, true. And sometimes they'll just change the line, like the power plays up without any notice. Yeah, but does Tyler thank you when his championship, when his team wins a championship? No, nobody. Really exactly. That's true. Um, yeah, I was gonna say. Explain um, yourself, Tyler. Yeah, I don't think there's actually been ever a time where you've burned me because um, it's usually me burning myself when it comes to my daily fantasy sports <laughs> playing. But that is a good point. People should thank you more often when they do well. I've never done well in DraftKings, so I have nothing to thank you for. I have nothing to thank myself for either. Um, but if I do win big, maybe I'll like send you a gift. Sounds good. No, like literally like people will thank me, but like you'll get four people being like, thanks for helping me out this year. And then like you mess one thing up, like super minor, <laughs> like you leave like a defenseman on the second power play unit and then like a different defenseman's all like 33 seconds of power play time. And they're like, it cost me like $9,000. It's like, no, it didn't. Like he played 33 seconds, like relax. It didn't matter. At all. That's kind of sports media in a nutshell though. You can be right about a hundred things, but the second you're wrong about something, that's when your mentions are being flooded with like the scum of hockey being like, you're a piece of shit. I hate you quit your job yeah like it uh they definitely come out of the woodwork when you make an like an error that's only like positive about having daily face-offs twitter suspended is that i have like <laughs> one fortieth of the people following me so less people can yell at me when i do something wrong but other than that it's, it's been a nightmare looking at the feedback what is the thing that if you mess it up you will take the most shit for oh if, like if you mess up a starting goalie it's it's, it's over time. like you're 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 getting buried like people will like because people will some people are relying on me to put really, really expensive bets down, right? Like people are relying on me with like all their money and it's, you mess it up a little bit. And sometimes it's like, I don't make mistakes. It's just changes. Like, you know, you have a guy listed as likely and then the coach will be like, you know what? I just, I'm going to start a different goalie. And then he throws a different goalie out for, for warmups. And then if a buddy doesn't see that, he, he doesn't have time to change it in the 30 minutes between the warm-ups and the start of the game, then he just toasts you. I'm so a, I'm like a big that, fan of that slogan. I, I was going to say, mistakes. you know, I've got a title for this Changes. week's episode is I don't make mistakes. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't, Hey, I'm just relying on other people's information. They, they pass it along. I, I pass it along to to my followers. And then if the coach decides to make a change, that's not my mistake. That's a coach's change. So is it like a daily routine for you? Like every day at like 
6.55 Eastern until, like, 7.55 Eastern when, like, all the games are getting going, like, especially on a Saturday? Are you just, like, glued to your Twitter, like, refresh, refresh, refresh? Yeah, like, it's a... Like, I love doing daily face-off, but the one thing that sucks is, like, if you go out for dinner and it's, like, 6.25 and you got, you know, there's a bunch of 7 o'clock games and 6.30 is about to roll around, you're out to dinner, you know, with a girlfriend or whatever, and you're just sitting on your phone. Like, you look like that dick in the restaurant, like, <laughs> yeah. sitting there with this girl and he's on his phone the whole time. Like, people probably hate me, but, yeah, then you got to confirm goalies from your phone, which is never never that fun like it's obviously easier on your computer but you got to still have a life but it's uh yeah you hope like the days where it's like two games and you confirm like all the goalies by two o'clock it's like oh i get to go do something this is nice if someone ever gives you crap at a restaurant you just scream do you know who i am <laughs> and i think that would probably solve your problem they'd be like i've never yeah. sure tyler's been uh, flexing that one people, for a while it's, it people react really well to do you know who i am that's, 100%. A, that's a huge one a little bit earlier i mentioned that brock is a red wings fan as you all know, if you're listening to this, the Edmonton Oilers just hired Ken Holland as their new general manager. He was the GM in Detroit for 22 years with the organization for 36. Is this a good hire for the Edmonton Oilers? Yeah, I think it is. Um, I've always liked Ken Holland. The biggest issue with him was just the Red Wings' immense culture and that playoff streak. I mean, like you just you're trying to patch things together to keep that playoff streak alive. And it's easy to say when it's done that it was a mistake. But like, even for me as a fan, that's pretty plugged in. Like I, I still wanted the playoff streak to keep going. Like it was, it's, it was exciting. Like, you know, 25 years of making the playoffs. It's just, it's so impressive. And I, I never really faulted him for trying to keep it alive, but it ended up being his biggest downfall where, you know, he comes to Edmonton and he's got like no personal ties. Really. He has nothing holding him back from making moves like he was scared to get rid of guys like Daniel Cleary because he'd been so good for the organization for years but like when it was time for Dan Cleary to to move on they kept him probably longer than they should have and stuff like that that just kind of hindered the Red Wings in Detroit uh but coming into Edmonton kind of a new slate you've got Connor McDavid it should be pretty easy to put things together and he's a smart guy I think Ken Holland will do a good job getting away from the culture a little bit will be will be huge for him in my opinion what does what does Ken Holland do well I mean, we just came off of three, four years, four years with Shirelli, three and a half, whatever it was. We just came from an era where the GM was just complete garbage. He was terrible. The one-for-ones were bad. The attempts to find defense were bad. The signings were bad. What does Ken Holland do well that can maybe ease the worries of some Oilers fans that they have thinking – this is another guy who has a history to Hockey Canada, another guy who knows Bob Nicholson. Is this the same guy in a different form? I don't think it's going to be a popular answer, but I think the one thing that he does well is he do, he's not like he's a pretty rational guy. Like he's not going to go out and make these big crazy trades. Like he's pretty as a general manager, he's pretty boring. He tries to make small smart moves rather than like like he would have never traded Taylor Hall. He sounds Maybe like it would have been perfect had he got here the day we got Connor. Yeah, like he just he he's smart. He's he's careful with what he does. Um, he's not gonna make irrational moves to try to like save his job or anything. It's just like he he'll he'll make small moves. He'll be smart. He'll be methodical in his approach in building a winner. Um, so I mean, it might not be popular. People would like to see those big trades, but uh, you know, they haven't worked well for you guys in the past. So maybe a you know a different approach might help a little bit. But I think he's just kind of a smart guy who goes about his business the right way. Uh, and it might take a little bit longer than some people are, are you know willing to wait, but. I think just the way he approaches it, uh, you know, from a, a smart standpoint, is, is his biggest asset. I need to point out something that's really hilarious. I don't know if you could pick it up on the mics, but somebody at Little Brick, there's a piano here, <laughs> jumped on the piano and just started playing Mad World as Bag Milk was explaining what Peter Torelli did to the Edmonton Oilers. <laughs> and it was so hilariously fitting <laughs> describing his tenure as the GM with Mad World in the background. That, that, that's, so, that's so poetic. Yeah, things just kind of go hand in hand while we're all here too, don't they? I'm just thinking now how nice it would have been, like like Rick just mentioned, if Ken Holland had come around in 2015. Because I always say, like, the perfect thing for the Oilers would have been if they had kept Steve Tambellini as their GM throughout this, because he just sat on his hands, right? He didn't do anything. So imagine they don't make the Griffin Reinhardt deal, they don't make the Taylor Hall deal, and the team's just, like, stupidly loaded with talent. Well, what do we think Ken's philosophy is? Because we kind of knew what Chirelli was going to come in. He wanted to get bigger, heavier. What can we expect when it comes to Holland? Because if you want to say, if you say he's going to get bigger and heavier, we're all going to start looking for the bridge. So, what do we expect out of Holland? What kind of players is he going to is he going to bring in? I think uh, you're looking at 
a smaller team. You look at the, what the Red Wings have kind of done over the last few seasons. All the defensemen that they've drafted and stuff are small offensive guys. You got guys like Larkin. Um, you know, we don't, the Red Wings don't have a lot of big bodies, so he's kind of really made a move to try to draft a lot of the smaller guys, speed guys. Uh, and I think that's what you need to surround Connor McDavid with. I mean, fastest guy in the world. So, um, I you know, I don't think he would be a guy that's going to go out and, and sign like a Milan Lucic like Shirelli did. But uh, it's just, I, I think, you know, you'd expect to see some smaller offensive guys because uh, that's kind of the way the Red Wings have went. They've really attacked people with speed for the last few years. And I think that's what kind of a, a product of Ken Holland. So how do you think he's going to be, he's going to do in terms of bringing in secondary players? Because right now we kind of have the top end guys. Our defense isn't the, isn't the worst, but well, we need a secondary scoring, and we need to start filling out you know the bottom six to nine players. To put it uh, another way, Oilers, 61% of the Oilers' goals last year came from four players. That's a problem. A That's issue. a real problem. So how what does Ken Holland do? How does he fill holes? Again, I think it's just uh, patience. You got to be. You got to take it easy. You got to go slow. You got to draft right, um, and if you do that, you know, you, you make your small signings here and there and try to build it up slow. It's probably the way he's, he's going to approach it. And he's not going to do anything crazy. He's not going to try to go out and sign nine free agents this year to build out your bottom nine forwards. Um, it's just a slow methodical approach is the way he's going to go about it. The Red Wings have always prided themselves on drafting. Well, I think you'll see a new kind of focus on the draft from the Oilers standpoint, really building through the draft. Cause that's how Holland's done it his whole career. If I want to fire one more at you here, Brock, is there anyone on the Red Wings who you think might be available this summer via trade that you think Holland might target and who would make sense in Edmonton? Um, I mean, like, available, I'm not really sure. I, 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 It's a bad answer, but, like, I bet you Holland loves a guy like Justin Ablocator uh, to come in and be, like, a fourth-line guy, which would be <laughs> a huge mistake for, for him. But, like, that's the one thing is, like, he... he I would, I would hope if I was an Oilers fan that he doesn't go to Detroit yeah. and try to get anybody because it's going to be players like that that he's been loyal to. And that's what you guys are trying to get away from right now is that Red Wings loyalty. If you can just keep him as far away from Steve Eisenman as possible, it'd probably be in your best interest because he'll end up going for a guy like Nicholas Cronwall or Justin Ablocator and it'll just be a total nightmare. But maybe Luke Glendening as your fourth-line okay. center. That would probably be the most logical player who's half-decent decent contract uh and you know he seems kind of like a like a red wings guy a holland guy so i'd say luke glenn would be my answer but I, again like just i'd try to stay away from detroit if if you were steve eisman and let's say i'm there or i'm uh ken holland and i come to you with chris russell for darren helm do you say yes or no to that <laughs> i would say no uh really be, just because like the red wings are depth is on the blue line in terms of prospects mm-hmm. What the Red Wings need to do right now is just try to clear room for some of these young guys to come up, which they have so many bad old dudes on the team that young guys can't come up. So trading uh, for Chris Russell to fill another spot on the back end behind you know Trevor Daly and Cronwall and DeKaiser and all these guys who aren't good just limits the <laughs> amount of quality young prospects like uh, Philip Roenick or Chalowski that we can have playing on the roster. I've had that proposal sent to me countless, countless times, so I just wanted to get a thought on it because I don't know much about Helm or the Wings. So. Yeah, honestly, like, Darren Helm's not very good. He's super fast, and he's got the worst hands ever. So, like, he'll get, like, he used to get breakaways. Like, it was going out of style and just could never score. He's just, just not a very good hockey player. just depends how much Detroit needs a cowboy, man. How badly do they need that cowboy? Everyone needs a cowboy. One thing I want to ask, last thing I want to ask about the Red Wings is the Oilers have had a long history of rushing prospects to the NHL. We've often heard about the Detroit model. We've often heard about how they let their picks marinate a little bit and then come up when they're ready. Can you tell us about Holland's philosophy for development once guys are drafted? Yeah, I think you'll definitely see a much more patient approach in Edmonton. Uh, Like even you look at a guy like Philip Sedina, Highly touted prospect that dropped the Red Wings last year. A lot of people expected him, including myself, to make the team out of camp. Uh, you know, he struggled a little bit, and they sent him down. And he spent the whole year in the AHL pretty much, came up for, a, you know, an eight, nine-game stint there. So his first year didn't get burned, and then went back down. Like, and he played the whole year there. And, that you know, Chalowski started the season, played really well with Detroit, ended up going back down to the AHL to to you know work on his craft a little more so definitely um unless a guy is just a bona fide stud he's going to the hl or back to juniors to to sit for a year maybe two maybe more like he's very patient and i don't expect him to change that philosophy in edmonton 
because we do have we do have especially on the back end now the others are starting to have some prospects that are knocking on the door so i'm curious to kind of like the bouchards is he going to spend more time in the ahl now that holland's here as opposed to if pistol pete was still here logic would kind of make you think yes but we don't know Oilers fans have been hurt before, Brock. I think it could be a lot, like, especially with Bouchard, it could be a lot like what, what they did with Chalowski last year. Like, I don't think the plan was to have Chalowski play 50 games in that team. Like, they really just brought him up to see what he could do, he made the team, and he played well, and he stayed. And that's kind of, I think, what he'll do. You know, Bouchard will get his nine games or whatever, see what happens, and then they'll make their decision from there whether or not he's ready or, or you know, he should go back to the minors. I could see Bouchard making it next year. I wouldn't be surprised either. I wouldn't be surprised. He was a point per game in the playoffs for the Condors. You could like, put him in that third, that third pairing. Even put down Seiker down there, somebody with him. Let him go out, do the power play two for a little while. Move his way up to power play one. Give him that sheltered five on five time. I think he'd be okay. The be- interesting thing though is it pushes a couple other ratings back. Like I was what, ha- say, what happened? To you, what do you do with Bear then? Yeah, you got to. There'll be. I think there'll be some some signs of their planning if they are looking at that as to transactions that they make in the offseason. Well, I know Dusty was floating the idea of trading Bear just because of the depth yep. chart. Yeah, I can see it. Honestly, you're you're running into a point right now where your defense is fine. If you're going to do anything outside of the outside the organization, you have to start going for forwards. And our assets right now are on the back end. So somebody like Bear, if there's a if there's someone out there that wants them, it's time. Happen. Like we've suggested this many times on the podcast. I think I, I I think the play for the Oilers in the off season is to sell high from the position of strength on the back end. And I mean, if you can get a solid forward for like Matt Benning or if you could get a very good forward for Darnell Nurse then I think you got to pull the trigger given the position you're in yeah you just have to look at the youth right on that left side you're gonna have Samurakov who I think took a lot of steps forward this year and has kind of made himself a legitimate prospect and Caleb Jones so you got two solid lefties there on the right side you're gonna have like you guys said Bear and Bouchard I think honestly this summer especially when you consider that Clefbaum and Nurse are still there and still on like higher up in the depth chart playing in the NHL right now, I think you can sacrifice maybe even a lefty and a righty. I mean, you're going to have draft picks this year as well. You're going to have a second rounder um, that you could always use to pick a defenseman as well. Like You can keep stocking the cupboards, but I think right now it's at the point where you have enough of the guys who are just kind of middling and like could be an NHL or could be an AHL this year that I think you should capitalize on that value and try to add to the forward core, which is like incredibly depleted, obviously. If Bouchard's ready, especially like... There's no reason to keep Bear around. You don't want him sitting there as your seventh defenseman or whatever, not playing. Or Bouchard's good enough. You want your best players playing. And if he's there, he's ready to go, then make a move and try to better the team instead of having somebody good sit. And you you see, like, I feel like the Leafs have done this sometimes. They let these guys sit and then they trade them when their value's at their lowest. Where, like, Bear could still be dealt for something quality right now because you're not, you're, there's still that kind of uncertainty about who he is and how good he is. Um, but he's, he's still a highly touted guy. Yeah, and I think. It- Right now, is probably his value is going to be the highest it has been ever. Now, obviously, it could be it could go up if you get him in the into the lineup next year. But right now, it could also go down. Mm-hmm. Right, if he doesn't prove himself next year, then you got to take a chance on him. And yeah, that's a guy I'm going to move. And you've got those two Swedes behind the behind all these guys as well that we didn't even bring up yet. Like we our defense is fine. We got to sprinkle some of these and get some forwards out of it. Go find that Patrick Maroon trade. Go find another Drake Kajula. Uh, some guy who's going to pay get paid like one and a half and be a guy who can play on your first second third or fourth line just an applicator i think what you're saying for bear is that hanging around stinks right dan yeah waiting for your chance is awful and it stinks and nobody wants to do it smoky the bear smoky it stinks and everything needs a fresh look kind of like what you'll get from our friends at the pogstore.com brock let me tell you about pog it is a deodorizer that is going to kill 98% of household odors caused by bacteria and fungus. There's a wall unit, there's a portable unit, there's a fridge unit, anything that fits your life. Out in Windsor, I'm sure it stinks out all the time. That's why you need to head to the Pog store and freshen and purify the air around you naturally using the power of ozone. It'll eliminate odors without the use of dangerous chemicals. Head on over to thepogstore.com and try their 30-day odor-free challenge. We had the genius idea before the podcast started where... We thought if we just hooked up like 2,000 POG units. If we just start plugging them in all over the city, that'll we, clean up all the smoke. We may have been able to play baseball at Prospect's game last night. Game did get canceled. It did get canceled. You may have seen a photo of show producer Tyler Uremchuk standing on the field, and it looked like the end of days. You couldn't see Tyler. It was nice. I yeah. liked it. You couldn't see anything out there. Couldn't see anything. 
Pog, hey, we're just saying, if you got a couple of thousand extra units laying around, <laughs> let's plug them in. Let's 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 give it a try. You're the hero we need. What's the worst that could happen? As far as I'm concerned, there are no downsides to this plan. <laughs> Zero, none. Head on over to pogstory.com and make the city smell fresher. Let's work on this today. Today is May 31st. It's a great plan. Dan, good job. <laughs> Uh, this morning, one Jason Greger broke some news. We wrote about it on OilersNation.com. The Oilers made a couple of changes to their assistant coaches. Trent Yanni and Manny Viveros are leaving, while Glenn Gullitson will be staying on, specifically tasked to run the power play. I want to go around the horn and just kind of talk about that and what you guys think. Good moves, surprising, not surprising. Dan, what do you think? It's just a confirmation, I think, of what a lot of people said last year, which was just the summer was just stupid. Getting rid of assistance like that was going to fix the uh, fix all the issues the Oilers had. It was just another band-aid move by Pete Chiarelli that saved his job for an extra four months. And the unfortunately for Yanni and and uh, Viveros, this is the this is the price you have to pay. Uh, that's that's four coaches by my count now in the decade darkness plus plus that we've gotten rid of that uh, that have a future. I think that should have should have another chance somewhere else. It's just bad luck of the industry though because the when you start bringing in a new GM, a new coach, you kind of understand that they're going to want their guys no, exactly. in charge. Of course. And I know it sucked that Ralph had to go that way, but I kind of understood that from, yep. you know, new GM wants somebody that thinks along the same lines. Here you go. These two guys work together. So that it sucks, but it's, they bounce back. I think, uh, I think it worked out well for Ralph, you know, going over to England. They probably added to his, uh, added to his resume quite a bit and he's a lot better for it now. And same thing with Todd Nelson too. He did, he did well with the, with the transition, and now he's interviewing for Anaheim's Anaheim's job. job. Anaheim's him and job. him and Eakins going up against each other, ironically. Yeah, yeah fair enough. <laughs> eh? One guy that we didn't cut fast enough, and then one guy that we cut too fast. Well, Eakins was key in the Oilers acquiring Connor McDavid. Well, so that's we fair. should give him some praise. Massive, massive part of that. It was all about the defensive swarm, though. The swarm. It was all about uh, chopping wood and carrying water. It was about carrying water and chopping wood, or chopping water, or whatever he said, Throwing and getting rid of a uh, ping pong in the room. That was key too. Players donuts? aren't allowed to play ping pong. No more donuts for the media. No you can't donuts. forget that part. Yes. The media was less sweet. If it, it if strict uh, life back then. If old Dallas didn't come in and eliminate ping pong and donuts, there'd be no Connor McDavid right now. What would we, what would we be talking about? We talking about Dylan Strome being the Oilers' number one center? And That's our terrifying. 18th championship in a row. <laughs> Tyler doesn't like the idea of Dylan Strome being the first line center. Just because that the whole <laughs> history of the organization could have gone so 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 sideways. If that draft order, what helped. do you mean? Like it, like it hasn't gone sideways. In I know, but like yeah. it could have just been worse. It's a great point, Bag Milk. I mean, <laughs> things. I know, but it, sometimes so you good. just need the gentle reminder of how lucky we are. As far as having to beat in Calgary in the last game of the season and had Capo Caco coming into the line. yeah, but again, we talk about that. We can't think that way. You can't tell them to lose and blah blah blah. They could have lost any of the other games as well. I don't know. What do you What do you want me to say? It would be nice to have Capo Caco. First of all, his name's great to say. It's a lot of fun. Who wasn't want to say Capo Caco? That name, hello. Oh, Cap, uh, Capo Caco, and you put Puliarvi on the same line, and you just watch Kevin Quinn struggle through it for forty or eighty games a year. I love it. Why not? I think at the end of this, we can just blame the Calgary Flames for being that bad. We can blame the Flames for everything. Yeah, as far as I'm concerned. Yep. The reason Glenn Galtson's here is that he throws his stick way up in the stands. People like it. Hell of a throw, though. It was a hell of a throw. You can't can't discount that. Threw a bunch of f bombs. Why not? Smashed the bat flip by Batista. Of course. Everybody loves it. I mean, the Saddle Dome is a terrible arena. Nobody should ever go there ever for any reason. But perhaps throwing a stick up there maybe broke something and improved it somehow. I don't know. The only reason to go is, of course, for a nation road trip because they're a good time. And, and speaking of angry coaches, you know who they're talking about replacing, right? Go ahead. Jim Playfair? Oh, yeah, yeah. You remember what he did? Absolutely. When he stripped? Oh, he smashed his stick against the board. He started taking everything off. You know what? There's two things that we need. One... Dave Tippett Duster. Second, if things start going squirrely, Playfair just starts stripping. That's like from uh, Slapshot. Remember? I love. It. I see where I now. I see where we're going with this, and I, uh, I've been on board. I've been drinking the Kool Aid for quite some time right now, and I'm just doubling down. I'm ready to go. There's nothing that would be more inspiring, at least in my opinion, than a powerful mustache and a coach that's willing to strip. Take it all off. Hey, you don't know what's going on. Bad calls, maybe a missed challenge. We've seen plenty of those in our day. Start stripping. Take it off. I'll throw loonies. Why not? I'll bring a handful. <laughs> Nobody throws hats anymore at Rogers Place. We're all throwing loonies at Playfair. Oh, man. All right. 
Well, gentlemen, the Stanley Cup Finals kicked off this week as well. Did a little Coombs trivia down at the Brew House on Monday. One Tyler Uremchuk was there, Christian Pignani was there, and of course Coombs was there. Doling out prizes and a little bit of free knowledge on a Monday night. Bruins and Blues are now tied going back to St. Louis. I'm curious what you guys think of the series so far. Brock, I'll start with you. Do you care about this series? Do you like it? Are you bored? Do you have a prediction? What do you think? I like it. Um, I, I picked the Blues to go to the finals uh, at the start of the playoffs, which was nice. Um, but I also had them going up against the Lightning, which wasn't so nice. But uh, no, I, I really like this series because, like I said earlier, they're built so similar. Um, they are literally mirror images of each other. I'd say that the Blues are probably the better 5-on-5 five five team. Uh, we've seen that Shen-Tarasenko um, line just dominate the Bergeron line so far, which has been literally the most important part of the entire series so far. Um, but then you just, you know, they lose game one because they couldn't stay disciplined, couldn't stay out of the box. So many dumb penalties. Um, I think, you know, if they get Vince Dunn back, that'll be huge. We saw, I mean, Gunnarsson scored the game the other day. Edmondson, though, has had a tough series so far. Uh, so getting done back will help, but I, I really think the Blues can take this, but it's going the distance, in my opinion. They're built too similar, uh, and we've seen how many times Rask can steal a game. Like He's been so sensational all, all postseason that I wouldn't be surprised if he steals a couple and this goes seven, but Blues and seven for me. I, I think if they had lost game two the way that they played, then it would have been over. Like They they thoroughly outplayed the Bruins. Yeah, what was the shots? Like 37 to 22 or something? Yeah. Like they dominated. It was the opposite of game one, because in game one, they got that 2 nothing lead, and they were getting spanked. Yeah. But St. Louis has overcome everything so far. Well, they're in last the place in the league like three months ago. Exactly. They've gone. They've come, overcome so many things this year that I honestly I think they're going to win. And even if they did go down two nothing, they still had to go home. I still wouldn't have been off it yet. This is a great series. Like like Brock said, they're mirror images of each, of each other. They're fast. They're physical. We're seeing hits out there. You know, in the in the in the first game, St. Louis was a little excited. Last time they, you know, none of these guys were even alive. Last time St. Louis was in the finals. These guys, you know, you kind of understand it. Boston's been there. They're able to, you know, sit back and take it a little bit. This is this series, we go down. It's going to be bloody. It's going to be messy. It's going to be fantastic to watch. I don't hate either team. World cheering for the Blues, right? Honestly, I don't care. Like, I want to see, like... I want to sit back and watch I, a seven-game series. That's I'm really sick of watching hockey. Boston teams win championships. I'm just okay, over that, it. They that, keep winning. Yeah, that I, I want to see Patrick Maroon win a Stanley Cup. And St. Louis's and roster is, like, My friend so Canadian. Yeah, there's so Canadian. So they have like seventy five percent of their roster is Canadian, and I think Boston's got like four or five. Guys. Tons of ties to Edmonton on the St. Louis roster. You got Jay Bowmeister, you got Colton Pareko, you got Patty Maroon, Oilers legend. DP, da- uh, David Perron. Oh, everybody loves DP. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a like an endearing team for an Oilers fan to care about. And Joel Edmonton sounds like Joel Edmonton. It's like if you're, it's like if you're drunk and you're saying I'm Joel from Edmonton. Yeah, that's what it sounds like basically. It's Joel Edmonton. Do you guys see who's been at? Both game one and game two as well. Friend of the nation. Larvinen. Larvinen. Oh. He's been at both games. He was up on the big screen during game two. He's, uh, for those of us who don't know, you can go back and listen to his episode uh, where he talked to us. But he uh, he is a huge fan in Finland. Probably, this, I'd say, the Finnish hockey super fan. And uh, he, fresh off of watching his team win the world championships, came over and got to see a couple games in Boston. So that's cool. Another uh, cool thing I think about these two teams in the Stanley Cup final is they make it seem to me like the Oilers aren't that far away from being good. Because what St. Louis and Boston both are, and I think either Rick or Brock alluded to this earlier, is they're both really contingent on having one big line. And if the Oilers could get one more really good player to play along with McDavid and Dreisaitl, thinking like maybe a William Nylander type, and then add some depth to the lineup, their blue line's right there. And they can be good. They're not that far away. From being a good team. That is a good point. Like, I mean, okay, St. Louis does have Petrangelo, but look at Boston's blue line. Like, Krug is really, really good. But, I mean, the rest of that is just kind of young guys who stepped up and then the aging Zidane Ochoa. And it's your one amazing line. And it's your one amazing line up front. But that Krejci-DeBrusque line is pretty solid as well, right? From an analytics standpoint, that Krejci-DeBrusque line is insane. Like, they give up literally no scoring chances ever. And, like, they're pretty decent offensively. That Coyle, um, Johansson, both those pickups were so under the radar and so good. That third line has been unbelievable for for Boston. I think, like, you could say that the Oilers aren't too far away, but, like, they're re- those teams are really, really, really deep. Like, we were just saying how they barely have any forwards in Edmonton. Like, those teams have 12 great forwards. So I think you're a li- you're getting a little bit ahead of yourself. I, I feel like you haven't watched Colby Cave. 
<laughs> yeah, you've, you've, don't tell me you've watched Josh Curry or Joseph Gambardella. We take a hard this, shift. We fly this guy in and he just takes a huge dump on us. On how For the first time ever, Coombs trying to get optimistic on the podcast and Brock just kicks me. So it kicks me down. <laughs> I feel like what Coom was kind of trying to say, though, is that like the heavy lifting in Edmonton is more or less done, right? Like you have that high-end, all those high-end pieces kind of locked in, um, and now it's just sprinkling around enough talent. Maybe you need one more high-end winger to either put on that top line or put with Ryan Nugent Hopkins. But for the most part, like the heavy lifting is done. Now you just need to clear out cap space and find good supporting pieces. The three centers that you guys have, You've got the foundation. Yeah. You got a solid blue line, and those three centers are phenomenal. Like though, you could be the Bruins or the Blues with those three centers for sure. But there's a lot of pieces to go around them. And hey, maybe you'll just call a goalie from the AHL who will go 25 and two and stand on his head for four months in a row. Stuart Skinner. Speaking of speaking of goalies for a second, um, the Oilers goaltender Miko Koskinen. A lot of worry around here. What do you? know about Miko Koskin and Brock and is there anything you can say that makes us feel better about our goaltending situation I mean he freaks me out because his stick's so small I always <laughs> that's always just weird to me every time I watch that but no he's a good goalie I think he's solid but he's not gonna I mean you're not gonna get carried to the finals uh with Miko Koskin uh the only issue with him is his, his age uh for me he's like he's what like 31 maybe 32 next year I think goalies in their 30s often get better yes Tim Thomas See, but uh, do you have another example? That's it. That's all I got. <laughs> uh, yeah. But no, like I, I mean, Koskinen's fine. But the issue is, um, you know, I don't think Koskinen is going to carry the Oilers to to the finals. Um, you know, you need a there needs to be a better goaltending option. I think Koskinen's a fine um, platoon goalie. I think he can he can be fine if he you know gets fifty starts. But he's not a guy that's going to go out there and start sixty five games and, and win forty for you. You talked about Holland liking familiarity. Could you see him going after a guy like maybe a Mrazek or somebody that he knows from his time in Detroit? Potentially. I think that Mrazek's a pretty good option. Um, a lot of people don't like Mrazek. I've always been a bit of a Mrazek truther. A lot of my Red Wings buddies hated him. Uh, he's just uh, he's just a fun dude. He's really good when he's good and he's really bad when he's bad. He's another guy that needs to just be in a, in a bit of a timeshare. So maybe, you know, you put him and Koskinen together, two totally different styles. It might work. Uh, but he played great for Carolina in the postseason, uh, but he gets bit by his aggressiveness. He comes way out of the net because he's super tiny and it bites him sometimes. But he's, I think he has like 10 career or 12 career playoff wins and six of them are shutouts. The guy can steal a game in the postseason if you need him to. Uh, we saw him do it against Tampa Bay a couple times when he was in Detroit and it was great. But then sometimes he lets in six and you're screwed. But I think that he's a guy that, you know, you know he, he had a good postseason. He's going to get a solid contract. He's not going to get another one-year deal. He got that prove-it-to-me contract. He played well enough to earn a, a sizable contract this uh, offseason. And I think that Holland could, you know, look back to the well there. Looking around the league, where do you see, like, a team that arguably needs the most work? To me, I always say Edmonton needs the most work, but that's just because I'm here. Like, overall? Yeah. Oof. Who's, the like, the furthest away, really? Yeah. Uh, Ottawa? You can't not. Yeah, Ottawa has to be. The so, Should we? Well, I mean, like they're so horrible. <laughs> other than I Ottawa. hope Ottawa never changes, just so we can have more fun stories coming out of Ottawa. It always makes me feel better about myself. You know what I mean? I don't think they will change until Melnick's out, and I don't think that's ever going to happen. So there was rumors that the Sens were going to interview Patrick Waugh for their coaching job. They ended up going with Leafs assistant coach DJ Smith. For I imagine the reason that he did it for like twenty five thousand dollars a year. But there was discussion that they were going to do. Um, they were going to hire Patrick Wong. Could you imagine the content out of that? Mm-hmm. I was just like visualizing him and Melnick getting like into a fight in the dressing room and the Sens like inexplicably making the playoffs somehow with Waz their coach and then beating the Leafs in the first round or something. The side stories would be amazing. <laughs> like who's going to, someone's got to be covering the, the Uber tabs, no? Patrick Waz got a couple of dollars in his pocket. He can cover the Uber tab for a guy like Carlson if they ever get a guy like Carlson back again. Well, I was going to say, you know, Melnick's not covering shit. Exactly. He's going to ask for his money back. Well, he's looking at what he's looking at as a second arena since mid nineties. <laughs> Has anybody here gone to? A, have you been to a game in Ottawa? Yep, absolutely not. Yeah, I went to the Canadian Tire Center to watch the Oilers. Taylor Hall scored the overtime winner. Uh, it was interesting interacting with Senator fans because they they do like the team, but they also realize that they're a, they're a minority in the. Uh, they in also the don't city. show up for playoff games. Well, that's you know, it's, it's like if, if it's, it's like if our stadium was in Red Deer. I was gonna yeah, say, when true. you talk to these, when you talk to these fans, were you actually at the arena, or were you yep. like at a store on? the No, street I was in somewhere? the. I took a I took a bus from from Ottawa, downtown Ottawa, to Canada, Ontario. 
had a drink at a bar, waited for a bus, missed that bus, had to get another bus. Why'd you miss the and bus? Then, uh, just because I was drinking at the bar too long. That's and then had to get, got to the arena, and you have to walk across the entire parking lot, which was empty at that point because the fans don't I'm go. pre gaming. Oh. Uh, and then, yeah, we were sitting next to a bachelor party, and the bachelor party was like dunking on their own fans. They're like, I couldn't imagine anybody traveling to see the Senators play in Edmonton. And I was like, yeah, that's so fair. So it's but. not only here, hey? Other teams, play, other teams fans say that stuff too? Well, yeah, but I mean, they're. They're a quiet minority, and this was back. I mean, this was back before cell phones existed and before Twitter existed. Sens fans, Sens fans are way harder than on the Sens and the Oilers fans are on the Oilers. I think. Oh, well, they should be. They're Sens, super hard on the ownership for sure. Yeah, they're they're they they started like a big movement to get Melnick to sell the team, and I mean, we never did that with Cades. They hired DJ Smith, which is nice because he's from Windsor, Ontario, so representing Windsor. Like I don't think Oilers fans. I don't think Oilers fans are that hard. Like I don't think so either. Like I know. Like there was a story that came out. It was like I think it was the season after our cup run when Rollison regressed and his kids were getting bullied in school or something. Like there was. But those are kids was, doing. Dumb but exactly, shit. kids are idiots. Um, but uh, that's true. But yeah, I don't. I don't think. And like we've had George Larocque tell us that we're not hard enough on the. Like team. the Oilers fans filled up the stadium during the decade of the team being really bad, and then Sens fans are different. They're like, "I'm not giving Melnick any money." Whereas Oilers fans are like, "We'll show up, whatever, whatever we'll product you decide to give us on the ice, I'm going to pay for it." We'll so show up. We just want to bitch about it when we get there, yeah, exactly. or just to get us in a bunch of people. We'll just want to get, just want to get mad online. Get a little bit. <laughs> Twitter, what a place to be. One thing, speaking about Oilers fans, I just wanted to mention this. I know it's not on our uh, on our schedule, but did you guys hear about the Oilers sending out letters to season ticket holders that had not renewed, saying, listen, we've made some changes this week. Would you guys be interested in coming back? We're going to hold your seats for another week. Yeah. Well, I, re- I have not heard that, but I do like it. I, uh, I read that letter. Yeah. My brother-in-law gave up his season tickets after probably, probably 12 years, I think. When did the letter go out? Uh, I was like... He just got it. Just this week. It was so like two days ago that our guy tibet. got it. Yeah. 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 So he didn't renew. Uh, not only did he get the letter and the package, he got a... He's been getting calls, like a lot of calls from his rep. That's good. Just being like, hey, like, what do you think now? Honestly, you know what? I, I have no problem with that. I think everybody understands that the last era, the Chia era, did not go the way everybody expected it, to say the least. Uh, but we're on to a we're on to a new page. We're on to a new time. And if you've been around, we want to give you one more opportunity to stick around. I know it sounds pretty egotistical, but at the same time, what happens if we come out and go eighty two and zero next year? It has to speak volumes, though, for what their uh, what? for how the organization feels. Yeah, but, like how everybody just kind of was. Ugh, yeah, I, don't know I had to that. throw in the eighty two and zero. Just hey, man, it's always a possibility. But what my question would be though is: Is it that? that they want to give people the opportunity to potentially come back or are season ticket renewals really going poorly? Yeah, uh, that's, what I was, that's what I was going to say is that it just speaks volumes for the fact that they're, that they're struggling. Reading the comment section on OilersNation.com and just like interacting on Twitter and doing all the stuff that we do just daily, people are pissed off, man. And yeah, it's nice to get a call from your rep saying, hey, can we have $12,000 from you, please? You get discounts at the cafeteria. You'll enjoy them, I promise, even though we might jack up the price of the food, the 15% that you're going to save. But is that enough? To me, a lot of Oilers fans are looking at it like, you got to show me something. It's nice to bring in Ken Holland. He's a seasoned guy. He's been around. It's nice to bring in Dave Tibbet. The man can grow a powerful mustache. And frankly, when you can grow one like that, I feel like you have a responsibility to do so. But that's a different point. <laughs> Is that enough to make somebody shell out that kind of money again? Well, and it's and it's not even just the common fan either. And I know that you kind of spoke to it, Bag Milk, but I've had random people just DM me to tell me that so and so company is not coming back anymore. And it's big names. These are these are dollars and cents now that, that the Oilers are hearing through, you know, through getting getting non renewals that uh, that it's actually affecting them. I think it cements the fact that that whole myth about how long the waiting list is is an absolute lie. Like, I I believe that there were waiting lists for certain parts of the arena, yep. but I've been told by a few people now that, like, even for the last five or six years, if you wanted to pay a little bit more, you would never have any problem getting season seats to the Edmonton Oilers. It was just, like, you know, the upper levels, maybe some of the cheaper seats, right? Like, in that air second quotes. deck. That's that's where I air was. Air quotes. Air quotes, yeah. There yeah. were air quotes <laughs> cheaper. on cheaper, cheaper seats, because I do know that those are still, like, nine ten thousand dollars $10,000 a season for those, but... 
I, it does kind of, to me, confirm the myth that, yep. oh, you can't can't leave us because there's a waiting list and you ain't getting them back. Yep. It's If you wanted to dip out now, you could come back next year and probably get your exact seats back. Well, can, can, I, confirm, I can confirm that too, just yeah. being in the Upper Bowl. Our season seats, every year we were offered, it was like a discounted rate to go down like 17 rows kind of thing in the Upper yeah. Bowl. Well, or somebody, $100 to go down to the Lower Bowl. Somebody who was on the waiting list, I can tell you that in the last three years... I mean, not the, there's the playoff year, but then they missed two years ago now. Yeah. My number skyrocketed. I was, I was, I could have easily gotten season tickets before I pulled my name off. Easily. It's just, it's a matter of, do you want to, you know, do something and go on a vacation or give your kids braces or do a a reno to your house? Or do you want to go see the Oilers for 41 nights a year? At the end of the day, a coach and a GM, they're not selling tickets. Like you're not going to, like, I'm not going to shell out that money that I wasn't before because they hired Ken Holland and Dave Tippett. Like, that's not like the reason I'm going to be like, you need a product to sign up. Like, you're not going to pay that money for the, because they brought in a new coach and a new GM. Yeah. I think you're Nothing's bang changed on. yet. And I think the other thing too, people are sick and I know like my family has season seats and like the people I talk to in my family, they're sick of, you know, you pay all this money for the season seats with the hope that the team's good. And then the team's bad. And all of a sudden the seats you're paying 200 bucks a night for, well, crap, they're on StubHub or SeatGeek or whatever. Or they're right, on they're their, 40 like, bucks. 40 bucks, right? So then why do that? Just go buy a power pack. And then maybe towards the end of the year, just spend your money that you're saving anyways. If you do really miss it and do really want to go in there in the stretch drive, just spend your money then and you're probably still saving money, right? Like I think just kind of the common – or not common sense. The sense behind having season tickets has kind of evaporated for a lot of people. Well, yeah, season seats should be, in your opinion, the way to hold – a playoff seat for yourself give you first right of refusal on a playoff seat and that's what it should be with most and that's what it is with most organizations but not the oilers i'm down with the power packs because i think a lot of people out there are sharing season tickets anyway right so essentially yep. all you're doing is buying a power pack anyways yeah it's a little bit more like my quarter season seats were 10 games instead of six yeah like i had, i bought pack. the power pack for eight or nine games back in gretzky's last year so i could be there for Gretzky skating around the ice for 30 minutes while my hands go raw as I try and clap and cry and cry and clap. And it's a great idea. Rick is an old guy. Cam just well, wanted to make sure that I'm we're acknowledging young. that Rick is an old man. <laughs> There's at Rick. least one other person in this room who's my age as well. So yeah, that's I right. Like to point that out. Jay is sitting silently in the corner. He's also very old. And very, I got one old. guy across from me. He's only a couple years younger. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm catching up to you. I'm catching up to you. Uh, off the top of the podcast, Tyler played Kawhi Leonard with his little laugh. So I want to finish off with a look at the Raptors. We're going to talk a little raps. Do you guys care about the playoffs? Do you care? Are you on board? I watched last night. It was very entertaining. I thought it was a, it was a hell of a performance by the Raptors. Their defense was rock solid. Rebounding was solid. Their shots were clutch. Uh, what was that dude's name, Tyler? The guy who got 30-some-odd points? Siakam. Pascal Siakam. It was great. Siakam. I'm getting to my basketball quota for the year. I will watch this series and I will max out for 2019 and I feel good about it. Are you guys watching? Yeah, I, I watched probably the most basketball I've watched this year. I do like I do cover it for a job and I still don't watch it. Uh, I, so I watched it Dan on runs mute. Utah Jazz yeah. Nation under all of our noses. Nobody knew. Yeah, I, uh, I watched it on mute until what I have to watch is the last like three minutes of the game. Last four minutes of the game. That's Being a sports guy, just sitting back and watching this part, you can watch almost any sport. Then you have uh, a bit of attachment to it with being the Raptors, being the only Canadian team and whatnot. It's easy to watch this part. I don't watch a lot throughout the, the regular season. You keep it. You kind of watch. You read a little bit here and there. But right now, yeah, I'm fully in right now. I'm not really cheering hard, but I'm going to sit back and watch and quietly hope Toronto can pull it off. The NBA is the perfect bandwagon league because the regular season doesn't really mean anything. The first round of the playoffs is a warm-up. Second round, maybe a little bit more interesting. Tune in for the conference finals and the finals, and it's like a cultural phenomenon. And it's like it's a cool thing to be a part of because everyone's all in. Celebrities are all in. Twitter's crazy. It's like It's something I think that you don't want to miss out on being a part of. I think it's a big deal too because like nobody wants to see Golden State win again. Yeah, like everybody's, everybody's on board with like, yeah. Like the Americans are cheering for the so Raptors, full. but no, it's cool. Like I, I'm not a big basketball guy. Uh, I watched like you loved the '04 Pistons. Yeah, way back in the day. Those are your, that's yeah, your way back. Ben Wallace was the boy. But uh, even like yesterday was crazy. Like flying in, um, 
the pilot comes on before we take off and he's like hey, hey like we'll give you some raptors updates like throughout the throughout the flight and he's like if you you know your dvr on it or whatever and want to watch it later you know plug your ears but like halfway like i think they gave us a halftime update and then when we landed they gave us like the update in the third quarter i'm like this is kind of cool like the whole like country's kind of getting behind them which like you would never be like you'd never hear that otherwise there's only two teams that can do it and it's the raptors and the jays because yeah. like Every other team's divisive. Hold on. The Edmonton Stingers? Come on now. <laughs> Everybody's following the Edmonton no, Stingers. Yeah. Um, I've always been like a basketball fan, but this year it's just been so much fun to like have all the hype around it too. Like it's been great. And you're right. Like the country kind of rallying around it. Like you could honestly, like the Jays, there were still, there's still Expos fans lingering. Oh yeah. So there's there's tons of, there's, there's Minnesota Twins fans in the prairies. There's Mariners fans yeah. out West. But I do think that like more so than there's no NHL team that will ever be a team Canada. No. And the Raptors and Jays have that, and they have the ability to lock it down. But this year with the Raptors, and maybe it's because they've never done it before. Like this is the pinnacle of the Raptors franchise thus far. This is the farthest oh, yeah. they've gone. This is the best team they've ever had. And I think that's part of the fun as well. Is that no generations ever seen the Raptors have this kind of success, and that's that's I think part of the reason they're why also there is even more hype. Just from like an objective sports watching standpoint, they're good. They're like, good. And Kawhi Leonard is fun to watch. It's good. Like they, their team's loaded with talent. Like you got like yeah. Kawhi Leonard, Mark Gasol, Serge Ibaka, Kyle Lowry, Pascal Siakam on one team. That's a that's a damn good team. Basketball is fun to watch in the last four minutes. Basketball is fun to watch the whole damn game. Yeah. I think it's intriguing too, like with the whole Kawhi Leonard situation, right? Like it's like if they win, like maybe he stays, or like they, like everyone, like even on the plane in, in Toronto, all the talk was about the game. Is Kawhi going to stay? Like it adds another layer to an already exciting time i think it's all just like who cares if he leaves it's all about right now if he does it that's yeah. legendary because that means he beat lebron's miami team and he beat golden state and that's two of probably the best five teams of all time i'll end this on a bit of an anti-hockey take that'll probably get some people mad at me but like, uh, before grew- you start his oh. uh twitter handle is at tyler yeah, go ahead. Go. <laughs> i i think like obviously i'm a big hockey fan and hockey above everything else but I think basketball, the first three quarters of basketball, can be just as much fun on a regular basis as the first two periods of an NHL game on any given day. <laughs> wow, that's bad. Good I mean, basketball is fun to watch. Yeah, like, good basketball. Like last night was fun to watch. Hockey like when, college basketball when it, is fun to watch. When it's 118 to 110 and you know it's raining <laughs> three-pointers, that's exciting to watch. But then sometimes you get a game that's just an absolute snooze fest. Yeah, you I will get give that. that. hockey, too, For when sure. it's a 2-1 game between, like, Minnesota yeah. and Chicago in, like, the middle of February. Who but cares? Like, when you're talking playoff hockey, like, even the low-scoring games are fun because usually it's low-scoring because it's super physical or there's something going on or a goalie standing on his head where, like, a low-scoring game in basketball is just boring because it's ineptitude. See, and to me, the Stanley Cup, the first two games of the Stanley Cup final have been just as exciting through and through as that game one in the NBA. I think the NHL playoffs have a really good first and second round kind of slows down after but then the nba has got the better conference and finals the thing everyone's gonna not like at least me is all the timeouts and the stoppage of plays the last minute of a basketball game could literally take 10 minutes to play there was a i think somebody somebody timed it game seven of the conference finals the last minute took about 14 minutes or something like that that'll uh you lose all the momentum you're gonna lose all your marginal fans for a real fan you understand it you kind of you've whatever you can deal with it but for the marginal people like the rest of us, we sit there and go, okay, this is horribly boring. It's exciting, horribly boring, commercial. And then exciting, the horribly commercial. The NHL can't even take 30 seconds to see if it was a hand pass. <laughs> and that's how we're going to wrap it up. I want to go ahead and thank our friends at Sherwood Ford the Giant, not only for being an excellent sponsor, but for coming through on the tip stash on the front of the nation truck. It is sexy. It is manly. It looks fantastic. And I want to thank our friends at thepogstore.com as well. Head on over there, freshen your life, improve your environment. Thanks, Brock, for being here. Appreciate you, buddy. Thanks, everybody. Have a great weekend. Shout out, Damien. Best wishes. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.